Our subject today stars a man born in Hungary named Laszlo Lowenstein, who grew up in Austria. A player of the stage, he began acting in an improvisational theater where he learned to hone his craft. Given a stage name by Jakob Moreno, which hearkened to a German character named Struhlbeter, he moved to Berlin at the age of 20. Acting under Berhold Brecht, he became famous for his role in the play of Engineers in Ingolstadt. Rave reviews caught the attention of Fritz Lang, who cast the unknown as the villain of his new film, M. This would see the birth of an actor who would become legendary. So what was Laszlo's stage name? He would be known as Peter Lore, and M is his debut to celluloid. So if you're like me, and you enjoy film and the impact and emotions they convey, then grab a glass of your preferred liquid and join me for the next little while. For me, that's a glass of scotch from our friends at Glen Scotia in Scotland. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about the love of film. Welcome to Glazed Cinema. Excited to delve into today's subject. M is among my favorite films by one of my favorite directors, Fritz Lang. If you are a fan of movies and just starting to dip your toes into the waters of film, Fritz should certainly be among the top directors to discover. Among his filmography are legendary works like the Dr. Mabuse films, The Big Heat, and of course Metropolis, to name a few. M is his first attempt at filmmaking post-silent era, and is a direct 180 turn from his previous effort of Woman in the Moon. All of Lang's films deal with social evils, pointing a finger at something that needed attention or change, and M is no different. By 1931, Lang was looking to get away from the big-budget features that he had grown tired of. He instead wanted to make a film about individual people and a single crime. The opportunity would arise when a producer named Seymour Nebenzel approached him about doing another film. Wary of producers, Lang demanded that Nebenzel have no input on the screenplay the editing, or the casting. After agreement was reached, Lang began working on setting his new film in motion. M is a film that depicts Berlin 
frozen in fear, held hostage by a child murderer. Already claiming the lives of several children, desperation has reached a fever pitch as the manhunt has reached its eighth week. With the general public rife with suspicion and tension, there are many false accusations made, leading to police roundups, angry mobs, and crackdowns. With early curfews and other measures in place, the entire city has a watchful eye on the children, making sure they are safe and watching out for any suspicious activity. A $10,000 reward is also out for the capture of the culprit, making the number of those who seek to apprehend the maniac multiply. This business has taken its toll on the police as they languish over long hours and no sleep. With underground activities and bars being randomly searched, organized crime is also desperate to catch the murderer so they can get back to normal business. Switching between several different points of view, we get a sense of how the townspeople, police, and the murderer himself are dealing with this moment of their lives. As mentioned before, Lang liked to make films depicting social evils and how we overcome them. He also liked to have messages within his films as well. We can see examples of this in movies made before and after this picture. With M, however, he wanted to make a film about a crime, a heinous crime at that. In talking with his wife and co-writer, Thea Van Harbo, Lang decided that there is nothing worse than a child murderer, and landed on that as the crime of the film. While discussing actors, Fritz wanted to find someone to play the role that was fairly unassuming, someone that nobody would ever think would be capable of such a crime. In his search, he found Peter Lohr, who he deemed fit the bill perfectly. We now know Peter Lohr as the man of many faces and someone who is known for playing villains, like in his role as Abbott in Hitchcock's The Man Who Knew Too Much. At the time of 1931, however, he was unknown to many outside the theater circuit of Germany. One thing I found in my research of this film is that Fritz Lang was a peculiar man. Seemingly amused at playing with press and journalists, he developed a reputation as not telling the whole truth. Due to this, it's hard to tell what is true fact and what is exaggeration when coming from the man himself. However, there are enough accounts of the film that we can discern what is lore and what is not. One thing is for certain, however, and it's worth talking about, is what impacted the director's view during filming. There are things we can't truly ignore, things that seep into our consciousness through osmosis, things like our environment, society, cultural changes, and political events. At the time of 1931, Germany was a country in relative turmoil. The economy was in shatters after losing World War I, 
and the spirit of the population was low. In the political realm, the Nazi party was picking up steam as shades of what was to come were beginning to emerge. Street propaganda seemed to scream the outlook of the culture, with posters like the woman dancing with a skeleton and a caption of, Berlin, your dancer is death. With all of this happening, one can only imagine what a creative like Lang must have been feeling and thinking. The film he made directly after M was much less subtle in depicting his feelings toward current events, but I'll save that for later on. With M, we also get a sense of these same mindsets. At the beginning of the film, we see and hear children playing, mothers watching over them, ensuring their safety in a troubled time. There are clothes on a line outside with windows open on a beautiful day. One mother, Mrs. Beckman, is doing chores and cooking with the windows open to let the fresh air permeate her dwelling. Soon after, another crime is committed, however, and after this we are plunged headfirst into a totally different world. A world of people panicked, streets and figures shrouded in darkness on dirty, ill-lit streets and smoke-filled dens where illegal activity and planning is taking place. There are three main characters who we follow through the events of M, all with different motives, backgrounds, and professions. There is, of course, the child murderer, Franz Beckert. Until the middle of the film, he is known to us by a shadow, a voice, and a whistle, adding to the facelessness of fear and the ambiguity of guilt. We also follow a homicide inspector, Carl Lohmann. He is the man in charge of finding the person terrorizing his jurisdiction. Then there is Schranker, or Safecracker, a crime kingpin, out to clean his streets of the person responsible for ruining his business's reputation and lightening his pockets. The two factions, being organized crime and police, trying to catch the terror of Berlin, have the same goal, but very different methods of getting there. I love the juxtaposition of how each go about planning their attack and next move. For Lohmann and the police force, this involves analyzing fingerprints, using a projector and archived prints, interviewing people with like-minded rap sheets, and studying the psychology of the murderer by interpreting his calligraphy. As methodical as the police are, organized crime is just as methodical, though their tactics are different. I love the scenes involving how these two factions plan how they will find the murderer. With cigar and pipe smoke, alcohol, verbal theories, and maps, it's a sequence to behold as we see both factions back and forth planning their next move. For the police, this means scouring their network of prisons, mental institutions, and reformeries to find anybody who fits the murderer's persona. For the underground, this involves using their vast network of contacts 
to coordinate their efforts and communication in their plan to identify and catch the killer. Heavenly in their brilliance and simplicity, we get the feeling that each plan might just work. Schranker might be my favorite character in the film. I enjoy his presence, his shiny black trench coat, and shady disposition. Lang didn't like to show violence, and in M, nothing is shown here either. Lang believed that the audience were collaborators of the film, and didn't want to show anything he wouldn't want to see. Hitchcock was also famous for much of the same thing, in which it makes the films so much more impactful, at least in my view. For we as the audience imagine what is happening in the scenes we don't see, and that is more often than not worse than seeing the actual event, as we tend to imagine the worst and collaborate on our own experience. There are many great scenes in this film, but one of my favorites details an overhead camera shot. There's a moment in M in which the killer is running from would-be capturers and enters an alley in a building plaza. The camera is high, looking down on the action as people run by and coordinate their efforts. It's a great shot, and one I've only recently learned how it was done. If you think of high-angle shots, you probably think of modern techniques, like using cranes, drones, or sometimes even helicopters. With this scene, however, Lang used a very different and much more simplistic approach. Being 1931, and with the scene being filmed in a studio, they used a very long ladder and scaffold to film the shot. From looking at a picture of their setup, it seems to be about a 40-foot ladder with a camera, cinematographer, and director tightly grouped together on a small platform to capture the action below. M is a film that contains a couple firsts in cinema. It's the first movie depicting a serial killer in cinematic history, and has influenced an entire genre ever since. It also is the first to show a sympathetic antagonist, someone who has done bad things, but for whom we sympathize with, for he is human. From Psycho to Silence of the Lambs, the reverberation felt by M's presence is hard to ignore. With its different camera angles, shots, detective sequences, and shadow work through lighting, a movement would come about just 10 years later. Influenced by M and other German expressionist films, a movement featuring detectives, organized crime, and the underbelly of society, it arrived in the 40s, and shades of M can be seen throughout its lifespan. It would be coined film noir, and several legendary films would arrive in its wave of activity. After M was released, Lang began work on another film, a sequel to his silent picture, Dr. Mabuse the Gambler, which he titled The Testament of Dr. Mabuse. For those who are not familiar with the Dr. Mabuse character, 
He is an evil figure who inhabits the bodies of those with power and influence, forcing them to do his bidding. With his sequel, released in 1933, we get a glimpse of Lang's thoughts toward his country once again. Unlike M, which was fairly subtle, however, he is far less subtle here. Lang detested Nazism and languished the fact that his country allowed the rise of such a movement. There's also a part in The Testament of Dr. Mabuz in which Lang mocks the Reich as a book titled Erschaft des Verbrechen, or Empire of Crime, is read aloud. Quote, Humanity's soul must be shaken to its very depths, frightened by unfathomable and seemingly senseless crimes. Crimes that benefit no one, whose only objective is to inspire fear and terror. End quote. At this point, Mabuz begins whispering to take the rest of the quote on. Quote, because the ultimate purpose of crime is to establish the endless empire of crime, a state of complete insecurity and anarchy, founded upon the tainted ideals of a world doomed to annihilation. When humanity, subjugated by the terror of crime, has been driven insane by terror and horror, and when chaos becomes supreme law, then the time will have come for the empire of crime. End quote. A rebellious act in an uncertain and dangerous time, Lang fled the country after it was banned and landed in America, where his Hollywood career would take off. There is a story, according to Lang, in which when the movie was banned, Goebbels offered him to take control of Germany's film industry under the Reich. Lang instead fled the country, not wanting to join and fearing for his safety. And as great of a story it is, especially when heard from the man himself, we can't truly be certain that this is the full truth of the matter, unfortunately. I can't tire of M. It's a film which always resides in my top 10 favorite films. After watching M, I started watching other films of his, like Destiny, Die Nibelungen, and Ministry of Fear. The first time I saw M, I was floored by what I had seen, especially the scenes near the end, which I will not spoil for you, as they are gripping in their own way. It's a movie in which nothing is excessive, and everything is necessary. It inspired me to learn more about film and the art of filmmaking, and quenched my thirst for more. There is a direct message to the audience in the final line of the film, a way of, again, collaborating with the audience and touching on the story that is fading to black. A simple yet poignant message to parents everywhere. I can't say enough great things about this film. It's absolutely fantastic. If you have not seen it, I highly recommend giving it a try. I don't think you'll be disappointed. If you'd like to watch M for yourself, 
you can find it on a variety of streaming services. At the time of this recording, you can find it on the Criterion channel. The Criterion channel is a service with tremendous value from our friends at the Criterion Collection, which offers pricing options of either $9.99 per month or $99 per year, which is what I chose to do. You can also find it on other services like Prime Video, Vudu, and Apple TV for $2.99 to rent, or on HBO Max if you subscribe to that service. This episode was written and recorded by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin McLeod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Each week, there will be new content, including hints about episodes before they air. If you would like to learn more about the podcast, visit our website at glazedcinema.com. There, you'll find more info about the show, including a place to submit ideas for future episodes. For film fans who are hearing impaired, the blog page on our website features each episode in written form as well. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with another beverage and another fine film on Glazed Cinema.